Liftoff and the clock has started. Welcome listeners. I'm Graham your announcer. And this is 20 minutes you'll never get back. Das sind 20 Minuten, die du nie zurückbekommst. That's right, what she said. This is 20 minutes you'll never get back. My name is Doug Prezak. And that was for all the listeners in Germany. I've got a lot over there. So clearly, you people are intelligent, but you can tell I'm using artificial intelligence for those voices. Okay, it's not even intelligence. I just type what I want to say and it pops it out wherever language I want. But anyway, I'm still looking for um, anybody who wants to be an announcer for this show. It's just, it's just pathetic, isn't it? It is. This is, uh, let's see, episode 33 of 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. And uh, I, a little bit of uh, record keeping, if you will. Last week, I hit uh, 1,500 downloads. So, And that's all because of you guys. Thank you very much. Now we'll see if we can make it to 1,600. <laughs> Heck, I'll, I'll even take them just one at a time. So I appreciate every single download that you all do. And with that, I say uh, we get the show started. So this episode probably should have been recorded back in October but it's not. It's being recorded in February. And this is this is what happened. I was watching television uh, or TV, as you, as you know it. Why did I say television? I was watching TV the other night, and there was a commercial came on for some new movie that has some eerie, ghosty creature in it. And as I was sitting there going, okay, I'm not going to watch that movie because I'm not really into the ghost thing. But what was my first experience with the ghost? And it was pretty easy. It was Casper. Anybody else remember Casper the Friendly Ghost? Yeah, the little cartoon. We all love Casper the Friendly Ghost. And then that got me thinking about other things about ghosts. And eventually, I think you all know what happened. Uh, that's right. I felt a need to do some research. So I did it. I did some research so you don't have to. I now give you what's the deal with ghosts. You can relax. I'm not going to play this music the whole time. I just thought I'd play some eerie stuff to kind of set the stage for, you know, add that atmosphere. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, before I get going, I'm going to stop right now and let everybody know I am not taking a position on ghosts one way or the other. I'm not saying you're crazy if you believe in them. I'm not saying you're crazy if you don't believe them. I'm not saying they exist. I'm not saying they don't exist. I just did some research. So let me tell you, it's a pretty hot topic. It's I think it's even more um, diverse and hot than the whole artificial tree versus real Christmas tree. So this is all just based on what I was able to dig up. And uh, if you uh, you believe in ghosts, knock yourself out. You'll enjoy it. If you think it's all a bunch of hooey, uh, you'll enjoy it. My grandmother always said hooey. It's a bunch of hooey. I don't know if she believed in ghosts, but she did say hooey a lot. Anyway, uh, this is what we found out, okay? If you're in the uh, believe in ghost camp, then you're not alone. Cultures all around the world believe in spirits that survive death to live in, in another world. In fact, ghosts are among the most widely believed paranormal phenomenon. Are there other paranormal phenomenons? Anyway, it's the most widely believed one. Millions of people are interested in ghosts, and a 2013 Harris poll found that 43% of Americans believe in ghosts. Most people who believe in ghosts do so because of some uh, personal experience. They either grew up in a home where the existence of a friendly spirit was uh, taken for granted, or they had some unnerving experience you know, on a ghost tour or some sort of haunted house. The idea that the dead remain with us in spirit, it's an ancient one. Um, and it's in countless stories from the Bible to uh, Macbeth. It even spawned a folklore genre, ghost stories. 
Belief in ghosts is part of a larger web of related paranormal beliefs, including near-death experience, life after death, and spirit communication. Now, people have tried to, or at least they claim they've tried to, communicate with spirits for ages. For example, in Victorian England, it was fashionable for upper-crust ladies to hold seances in their parlors after tea in crumpets with friends. And, you know, after I have tea in crumpets, I often think about holding a seance. Ghost clubs dedicated to searching for ghostly evidence formed at prestigious universities, including Cambridge and Oxford. And in 1882, the prominent organization, the Society for Psychical Research, was established. That's a good organization. I got to join that one. In America, during the late 1800s, many psychic mediums claimed to speak to the dead. But they were all later exposed as frauds by skeptical investigators such as Harry Houdini. It's widely claimed that Albert Einstein suggested a scientific basis for the reality of ghosts, and he based it on the first law of thermodynamics. If energy cannot be created or destroyed, but only change form, what happens to our body's energy when we die? Could that somehow be manifested into a ghost? Well, the naysayers said, hold on there, Einstein. The answer is very simple, and it's not at all mysterious. They say it's physics. And they apply these principles. After a person dies, the energy in his or her body goes where all organisms' energy does after death, into the environment. The energy is released in the form of heat, and the body is transferred to the animals that eat us. Uh, if you're out, like, in old times, you get eaten by a wild boar or something. Or uh, left unburied, then uh, it's getting gross here. You know, worms, bacteria, blah, blah, blah. And plants absorb us. So there is no bodily energy that survives death to be detected with popular ghost hunting devices. They say no energy, no ghosts. One difficulty in scientifically evaluating ghosts is that a surprisingly wide variety of phenomenon are attributed to ghosts. You know, from a door that closes on its own to a missing keys to the vision of a dead relative or to a cold area in a hallway. Wait, wait a minute. My hallway's always cold. All right, I'm thinking I'm moving over to a team ghost here. Sociologist Dennis and Michelle Waskul uh, interviewed ghost experiencers for their 2016 book titled Ghostly Encounters, The Hauntings of Everyday Life, and they found that many participants were not sure that they had actually encountered a ghost and remained uncertain that such phenomena were even possible simply because they did not see something that approximated the conventional image of a ghost. Instead, many respondents were simply convinced they had experienced something uncanny, something inexplicable, extraordinary, mysterious, or eerie. So many people who go on record as claiming to have had a ghostly experience didn't necessarily see anything that most people would recognize as a classic ghost. And in fact, they may have had completely different experiences whose only kind of common factor is that it could not be readily explained. Now, personal experience is one thing, but scientific evidence is a whole nother matter. Part of the difficulty in investigating ghosts is that there is not one universally agreed upon definition of what a ghost is. Some believe that there are spirits of the dead who, for whatever reason, get lost on their way to the other side. I can only assume there's no uh, Google Maps for that. Others claim that ghosts are instead telepathic entities projected into the world from our minds. 
Now, there are many contradictions inherent in the ideas about ghosts. For example, are ghosts material or not? Either they can move through solid objects without disturbing them, or they can slam doors shut and throw objects across a room. Now, according to logic and the laws of physics, it's either one or the other. If ghosts are human souls, why do they appear clothed and with presumably soulless, inanimate objects like hats, canes, and dresses? Not to mention the many reports of ghost trains, cars, and carriages. If ghosts are the spirits of those whose deaths were unavenged, why are there unsolved murders? Since ghosts are said to communicate with psychic mediums and should be able to identify their killers for the police, and so on, just about any claim about ghosts raises logical reasons to doubt it. Again, folks, I'm not taking sides, okay? Okay, so let's, let's just assume that ghosts do exist. How do we find them? Well, enter the ghost hunters. While amateur ghost hunters like to imagine themselves on the cutting edge of ghost research, they're really engaging in what folklorists call ostention or legend tripping. It's basically a form of play acting in which people kind of act out a legend, often involving ghosts or supernatural elements. It wasn't until recently that ghost hunting became a widespread interest around the world. A lot of this is due to the TV series Ghost Hunters, appropriately named. It's not hard to see why these shows were so popular. The premise is that anyone can look for ghosts. The two original stars were just ordinary guys, they were plumbers, who decided to look for the evidence of spirits. They say you don't need to be an egghead scientist or even have any training in science or investigation. All you need is some free time, a dark place, and maybe a few gadgets from an electronics store. If you look long enough, any unexplained light or noise might be evidence of a ghost. Well, that's certainly one approach. We're going to take a quick break now, and uh, when we come back, we'll finish up with the ghost hunting part of this. And then at the end, I'll give you a list of the types of ghosts, so you'll be able to identify the kind of ghost that's been haunting you. So don't go away. (laughs) We'll be right back. Before we join the shadow in today's adventure, here's a proposition. Regardless of what coal you're now burning in your furnace, order a ton of blue coal. Try blue coal for a week and see if it doesn't give you more even, more dependable, longer-lasting heat. That's fair enough, isn't it? And remember, when you order blue coal, you get courteous, careful delivery and helpful consideration of all your heating problems. Phone your neighborhood blue coal dealer tomorrow. You heard the man. If you need more coal to heat your house, make sure you call him tomorrow, okay? All right, let's get back to ghost hunters. Um, They use creative and sometimes suspect methods to detect the spirits and presences, often including psychics. Virtually all ghost hunters claim to be scientific, and most give that appearance because they use high-tech scientific equipment such as Geiger counters, electromagnetic field detectors, ion detectors, infrared cameras, and sensitive microphones. Yet none of this equipment has ever been shown to actually detect ghosts. You know, for centuries, uh, people believed that flames turn blue in the presence of ghosts. Now, not a lot of people accept that theory today, um, but it's likely that many of the things they're coming up with, ghost hunters, would be looked at as antiquated in a couple centuries from now when they're still looking for ghosts. Other researchers claim that the reason ghosts haven't been proven to exist is that we simply don't have the right technology to find or detect the spirit world. 
a folklorist named Bill Ellis. He points out in his book, Aliens, Ghosts, and Cults, Legends We Live, that ghost hunters themselves often take the search seriously and they venture out to challenge supernatural beings, confront them in consciously dramatized form, and then return to safety. The stated purpose of these activities is not entertainment, but a sincere effort to test and define the boundaries of the real world. Now, coming in on the opposite side, enter Benjamin Radford. He's from the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry and the author of the 2017 book, Investigating Ghosts, The Scientific Search for Spirits. And he writes that, quote, ghost hunting is the world's most popular paranormal pursuit. Yet to date, ghost hunters can't agree on what a ghost is or offer proof that they exist. It's all speculation and guesswork. He writes that it would be useful and important to distinguish between types of spirits and apparitions. Until then, it's merely a parlor game distracting amateur ghost hunters from the task at hand. So this is where I jump in and say, so which is it? Okay. Now, there's two possible reasons for the failure of ghost hunters to find good evidence. One is that ghosts just don't exist. And reports of ghosts can be explained by psychology, misperceptions, mistakes, or hoaxes. And the second option is that ghosts do exist, but that ghost hunters are simply incompetent and need to bring more science to the search. I'm just going to let you decide on your own whether you you think they're legit or not. I, it's, it's, your, it's your call, okay? But let's just pretend you do believe ghosts are real. Then what are the types of ghosts you might encounter in your hauntings? Well, I have a list for you. Experts in the field have put together a list of definitions and the types of supernatural phenomenon. You know, this whole section is going to work a lot better if I put in some uh, some eerie music. Okay, let's get that queued up. Oh, that's way better. There's a widespread belief concerning ghosts, and that is that they're composed of a misty, airy, or subtle material. Anthropologists link this idea to early beliefs that ghosts were the person within a person, their spirit, and it's most noticeable in ancient cultures as a person's breath, which upon exhaling in a cooler climate appears as a visibly white mist. This belief may also have played into the metaphorical meaning of breath in certain languages, such as Latin spiritus and Greek pneuma, which by analogy became extension to mean the soul. All right, our first type of ghost is the interactive personality. The most common of all ghosts spotted is usually of a deceased person, someone you know, a family member, or perhaps even a historical figure. These ghosts can be friendly or not, but often show themselves to others in a variety of ways. They can become visible, they can speak or make noises, touch you, or even emit an odor like a perfume or cigar smoke to let you know they're there. Experts say that this type of ghost retains its former personality of when they were alive and can feel emotions. Often, they are visiting you to comfort you or let you know something important. So if you happen to see a lost loved one, chances are they're there because they feel you want or need to see them. The next type of ghost is the ectoplasm or ectomist. Now, if you've ever seen a mist or a fog that almost looks like it's swirling around, then you may be witnessing what a paranormal investigator deems as an ectomist or ghostly mist. These ghostly encounters have been captured on many videos and photographs and can be white 
gray, or even black. Sometimes, ectoplasms appear before becoming a full-bodied aberration. Sorry. <laughs> Most people have witnessed them outdoors, in graveyards, battlefields, and historical sites. It could be fog. All right, next up is the poltergeist. Now, perhaps uh, one of the most popular terms most of us have heard when it comes to ghosts, the word poltergeist actually means noisy ghost because it's said to have had the ability to move or knock things over, make noise, and manipulate the physical environment. A poltergeist is actually one of the rarest forms of hauntings and to many, the most terrifying. Loud knocking sounds, lights turning on and off, doors slamming, even fires breaking out mysteriously have all been attributed to this type of spiritual disturbance. Another frightening aspect of the poltergeist is that the event usually starts out slowly and mildly and then begins to intensify. And lastly on the list are orbs. Orbs are probably the most photographed type of anomaly. They appear as a transparent or translucent ball of light that is hovering above the ground. It's believed that orbs are the soul of a human or even an animal that has died and is traveling around from one place to another. The circular shape they take on makes it easier for them to move around and is often the first state they appear in before they become a full-bodied apparition. So there you go. If you've personally experienced a ghost, it fits in probably into one of those four categories. And I want to leave you with this short little story of my encounter with a ghost. My wife and I were staying at a, uh, an old castle in Scotland on a trip there. And we were told that the castle was haunted by the spirit of a young woman who had uh, jumped out of the window in the castle and committed suicide because she was going to be forced to marry somebody she didn't want to. And so that was the story we were told. And we were up in the, the room at night and my wife had fallen asleep. And I thought, wouldn't it be hilarious if I were to take the books in the room and stack them all on top of each other, take all of our coins and stack them up, tip over the chairs and all kinds of stuff, and then uh, let her discover that in the morning. Well, as you can tell, I'm talking to you right now, and I'm still alive because I did not go through with that plan. So that was good thinking on my part to not do that. All right, that's going to bring this episode to a close. What have we learned today? Well, we learned all kinds of things. We learned Harry Houdini thought psychic mediums were frauds. I'm not taking sides, but Harry, I think you might be on to something with that one. Albert Einstein suggested a uh, basis that ghosts could be real. It's Albert Einstein, people. We learned that poltergeists can be real jerks. And we learned that sometimes, just sometimes, I can exhibit better judgment. That will do it for this episode. I do appreciate, as always, you tuning in. If you like the show, tell your friends about it. Let them know about uh, 20 Minutes. And if you didn't like the show, tell your friends about it. Let them know about 20 Minutes. Let them decide. That is it. I will talk to you next time on 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye. I'm now going to go try and find Sixth Sense on Netflix. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, If you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. 
And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take, take a look at those two things if you like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.